So, like, when are you going to school? Because I know she's getting ready to college. You're going to Shenandoah University, right? I got okay, so she's going to Shenandoah University, which is absolutely, so Winchester's a cool city. Um, they have Sheets, which is a little bit better than Wawa, but I'm just saying. So, um, and so, uh, so she's going up there, and she's going to be going to school there. And I knew it was coming up soon because, I mean, it's, it's August, people. It's August. It's crazy. Fall is right around the corner, right? And with the humidity and heat of today, we're like, thank you, Jesus. So I was just like, I know, she's like, I was like, when are you going to school? She's like, I'm leaving on Tuesday, on Tuesday to go to school. So Lexi, if you don't mind, I want to take a moment. We always pray for our students as they get ready to leave. So if you don't mind, you can stand right where you are. And uh, church, let's just take a second and let's just pray for Lexi as she's getting ready to go to school. And uh, so if you know her, you can go surround her. If you don't know her, you should because she's awesome. And... Uh, we're just going to pray for her and her opportunity to go to university. So, Father, we thank you. Um, we thank you for this awesome family that you've brought to our church. And, God, we thank you for Lexi, Lord. She's just uh, um, so full of joy and life and excitement in everything that she does. Uh, seeing her here at church or in the community, seeing her at the restaurant. Uh, she's just so full of joy and life. And she just radiates your goodness and your grace. And Father, I pray that you continue to be with her and strengthen her as she goes to Winchester. God, may she be a light in that place. God, may she um, find herself exactly where you want her to be so that she can declare your glory in that place, so that she can speak hope into people's lives, so that she can bring wisdom into different situations and circumstances. God, help her, Lord, to have opportunities beyond her giftings. God, participate in things beyond her expectation. And God, may you continue to bless her beyond her imagination. God, open doors wide for her, strengthen her and equip her. And God, help her just continue to send amazing stories back to us to challenge us and just to encourage us and all that you're doing in her life. God, we thank you for that and help her parents as they're getting ready to lose their little girl. God, give them strength and uh, provide for extra money for gas. So God, we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, amen. And extra money for sheet sandwiches. <laughs> it's good stuff. Well, hey, so we are in our sermon series, Let's Be Honest, and uh, we've been doing this throughout the summer, and last week we started talking about purpose, and I'm going to continue on that a little bit more tonight, and uh, then we've got, I think, two more weeks, one more week of this, and then we're going to be kicking off a new sermon series um, that we just locked in um, this week, and uh, super excited about that. We're going to be doing it across all three campuses, and so it's going to be a lot of fun just to see all that's going to happen through that. But tonight we are going to be in James, James chapter 1, so you can go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. It is on the Bible app as well. We have the sermon up there, just at least the Bible references, and we will have it up on the screen tonight because we're going to be going through several verses. So as we talk about purpose and talk about what it is that God has called us to do in each one of our lives. Last week I talked about how you are on this planet because God has given you a unique purpose in this world. You have a specific purpose in this world that no one else can fill. In all of eternity, there's never been anyone like you. In all of eternity, there's never been anybody that has your potential, your giftings, your fingerprints, a lot of other unique things that are you. You exist right now where you are in the timeline of humanity because God wants you here right now to do something very specific for his glory and for his purposes. 
So you have a unique purpose. We all have a divine purpose. We all have a purpose to live our lives for God. We all have a purpose to glorify God through our lives and in our lives and our being a part of the church. That is a purpose that we all have together collectively, but we all have a unique purpose. And I know for a fact that many of us are still trying to figure out what our purpose is. For a lot of us, there was a time in our lives when we were kids, you know, I talked to Braden and Ryland, my kids, and they've got a thousand purposes, you know, like any moment you ask them, they're going to be a cop or a preacher or an art teacher or, you know, like who knows what they're going to be on any given moment or whatever TV show they just watched and now they're interested in. But they have all this idea of purpose and I know you had that place and then we all had this Maybe this season in our lives where we're just like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, and I don't know where I'm supposed to do. Maybe you thought you had to figure it out, and then you get into it, and you're like, whoa, I don't like this, you know? But I can tell you this. Many of us, especially in the church, are trying to find our purpose and what it is God's called us uniquely to do. And I know that we're still looking for it, and that many of us, by and large, have not found our unique purpose because when we look at the world today and when we look at the things that are happening in this world and the things that are taking place around us everywhere, I see so many things that are not being accomplished that could be accomplished. When you look at the church at large, God's doing miraculous things. I even listened to a podcast this week that was so encouraging. This one guy was talking and he said, listen, he said, I know you feel like the world's falling apart and I know that you feel like that things aren't great, but can I just tell you this? The gospel has never spread like it's being spread right now across the world. God is doing incredible things and miracles are happening all around the globe. But when we look at the church specifically in the Western culture and we look at the church in America, we look at the church here, I can just tell you this, I'm pressed and have been pressed over the past couple weeks that we could be doing so much more. We could be doing so much more, and the reason we're not is is because we're still wondering what it is that we're supposed to do, how we fit into the grand scheme of things. Where am I supposed to jump in at? What am I supposed to do? How's my giftings fit into things? How does my experiences fit into things? We're still asking these questions. We're looking for purpose. We're trying to find that purpose. And we can see that we're looking for that purpose because there's so much more that we could be doing. The church used to be the place that was the answer for a lot of things that we now look for the government to do. Things that we have conversations right now on a regular basis about what our politicians should be doing are responsibilities that the church has abdicated. Because somebody along the line said, I don't know if that's my purpose. I don't know if that's what I should be doing. And we stepped away from it. And instead of jumping into the things that God's called us uniquely to do, we've given up that role and responsibility. And now somebody else has come to pick it up. And so when we look at it and we say, man, what is my purpose? What we should be looking at and what we should be asking is, is what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? So James chapter 1, we're going to be looking tonight at a couple things to help us identify what it is that God wants you to do. What it is that he has called you to uniquely do. So we're going to be reading James chapter 1 tonight. I'll be reading mostly from the message translation because I just love the way Eugene Peterson put some of these words um, here. And so we'll have it up on the screen so that you can read it. But James chapter 1 verse 2, it says this, Consider it a sheer gift, friends. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides. 
You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. And I think right there, when you look at that, that is one thing that is a challenge for every single one of us. What I talked about last week is, is that your adversities and the things that you're going through, those are the very things that God is probably using to identify your purpose. They're the very things that you look at and you say, that is a problem in my life that I want to get rid of. And it's not a problem, but it's an opportunity for you. And we've got to get to a place where you can say, what is it that God's wanting to do through that? And am I willing to step into the place that says, God wants me to be the solution for that problem? But a lot of times what happens is, is we get out of things prematurely because the water gets a little too hot. Things get a little bit uncomfortable. We don't like the pressure that's put on us. Or maybe there's something that we really like and we really enjoy. And as we're in the midst of doing this thing, we can't do the thing that we really, really like a lot. And so we say, I just can't handle it. So we prematurely step away and we move out of the purpose that God has for us because it's a little bit too hot. It's a little bit too much. We step out of it prematurely. But scripture tells us here, James says, hey, consider it all joy, right? Consider it a sheer gift when tests and challenges. How many of you get excited when the test and the challenge comes? None of us, right? None of us. I, like Braden this year, he shocked us uh, when we had the, um, the, the, the test. What are those things called? The qualifying test that the students do now? Uh, SOLs, there you go. <laughs> I think so funnily named. But anyways, so the SOLs, um, so he had that, and like he came up and he's just like, he's like, I don't really like classes, but I love the test, and I love the SOLs. I was like, you're weird, you're weird, you're weird. Most of us are not excited about tests, but scripture, James is telling us, right? He's like, hey, when a test comes, be excited. When something comes your way that's an adversity, don't run from it. Don't step out of it prematurely. Get excited about what's happening because God's speaking to you through that experience. Go ahead, Ruben, go down to the next slide. It says this. It says, let it do its work so you become mature. Let it do its work. This is exactly why you wanted to come to church tonight, right? Step into the hard things, face adversity, do it with a smile on your face because God wants to work through challenges and let it do its work on you, right? That's exactly what you wanted to hear. But that's exactly what we should be doing. We should be stepping into these moments where we say, man, God wants to do something and he's wanting to work and I know that it's not going to be easy because there's an enemy out there that doesn't want me to win. There's an enemy out there that doesn't want me to be successful. There's a, there's a reality to this life that is spiritual, and that spiritual reality is there in the sense that there's a battle for my soul, and there is one side that wants me to walk away prematurely. There is one side that wants me to give up. There is one side that wants me to be anything but mature and trusting God, and that side is constantly working through the things that we don't want to go through to discourage us, defeat us, demoralize us, and discourage us. But God is working through the same circumstances to mature you and to shape you and to develop you. And sometimes we jump out too quick and we don't let it do its work, but we've got to stay in those moments and trust God and let it do its work so you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. But we often, we abandon God's best for us because we reject the process. 
See, we, we, we walk into this place and, and we say, man, I, I, I don't know if this is what God wants for me. I don't know if this is what God wants to do because we reject the process of what God wants to do and what he wants to work through. But I just want to encourage you tonight, one last time, I'm not going to keep beating on this point because I preached on it last week for a long time, but I'm just telling you, right, the things that you're going through, the challenges that you're facing, those are things that God is doing something in you through. And he wants you to trust him in that process. It's not for your frustration. It's not just to kind of beat you up and rough you up a little bit. It's not to like kind of make you just like, okay, whatever you want to do now. It's so that you can experience life. Reuben, go to the next slide. In verse 12, it says this. Reuben, did we get that? Verse 12. Verse 12. Anyone who meets a testing challenge head on and manages to stick it out is mighty fortunate. For such persons loyally in love with God, the reward is life and more life. Now, how many of you want that? Life and more life. How many of you want to walk around and be like, God is good and he is awesome, right? How many of you want to walk around and be like, man, I love God and I love what God's doing in my life. That's where we want to be. And so I'm just telling you, what God wants to do in your life is not just frustrate you. God is not wanting you to walk around and be like, okay, i got to continually walk through challenges, and i got to continually face these hard things. I've got to deal with a person trying to build my house, and my yard's been destroyed for 18 months, and nothing's going to get done, right? Like, and I'm just so frustrated, and I just can't handle this anymore. Like, he doesn't just want you to sit in that place in misery. He wants you to find life and purpose in that place. He wants you to discover how good he is, how strong he is, how powerful he is, what he wants to accomplish in you and through you in that place. But oftentimes we reject the process, and in rejecting the process, we walk away from God's best for us. So tonight what I want to challenge you is this, is that adversity reveals purpose because it is the place where you discover identity. Adversity Adversity reveals purpose because it is a place where you discover identity. Verse 16, Reuben, you can go ahead and put that up. Verse 16. So my dear friends, don't get thrown off course. Every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. The gifts are rivers of light cascading down from the Father of light. There is nothing deceitful in God, nothing two-faced, nothing fickle. See, maybe what you're going through right now, what you're experiencing and what you're facing right now, maybe God has you exactly in that place so that you can see what you're made of. God has you where you are right now in the place of adversity that you're facing because adversity is the place where we discover identity. I'm a Dolphins fan, and football just started. Are you guys excited about football? I was so shocked. It was like, I can't remember what it was, just last week or something like that. And we were talking after service, and somebody said something about football. And I was like, what? Are you serious? Football's here? I got so stinking excited. I'm a Dolphins fan, and I have no reason to be excited. We beat the Jets last night, but are we Giants? That's what we beat, the Giants. We beat the Giants last night, but I mean, it's the Giants. So they're worse than we are. But anyways, so I'm a, I'm a Dolphins fan, right? One of the things that I love about being a Dolphins fan is no matter where I am in the world, there's other Dolphins fans, and we instantly connect. I mean, we instantly become friends, and we instantly have something to talk about. We're like instantly ready to take a bullet for each other, right? Because we know something that like other people, maybe like the Patriots fans, they don't know. 
they haven't had the adversity that we've had to go through. So there's some challenges and so there's some things that we've had to go on through that has kept us as fans of this team. It has made us more loyal and more committed and more willing to stick to them because we've had to go through adversity. When you're going through life and you're facing difficult things, you're in the place right where you are because God is wanting to show something to you. And that place of adversity is a very strong place where you can begin to discover who it is that you are. See, when I look at the things that I'm going through in my life and I look at who I am, like I'm somebody who loves to cheer for the underdog. Now, I know that's just part of our culture. We love to cheer for the underdog, but I'm being serious. I'm a Dolphins fan. I'm a Baltimore Orioles fan. When was the last time did they win anything? And we just decided as a family that we didn't have a team, like a, a sport team together as a family. Like she refuses to be a Dolphins fan, rightly so. She doesn't want to be a Dolphin or an Orioles fan because she's been a Blue Jays fan since she was a little kid because she played on a Blue Jays softball team. So that's why she's a Blue Jays fan. Makes sense. I'm going to get in so much trouble after tonight. Corinne's going to be the one that tells on me. That's awesome. But so we're just like, okay, we, we've got to pick a team that we like, and so we, we're going to do something. And so we, we decided we both love basketball. Like, we really, really like watching basketball. We love playing basketball. And so we're like, we need to pick a basketball team. We decided that we're going to pick the Orlando Magic as our basketball team. Because we met in Orlando. We lived in Orlando. We had a first child in Orlando. So we're like, we're going to become a Magic fan. They're horrible. What I'm saying is, is there's something wired inside of me to pick the underdog. There's something wired inside of me where I just love going through life and just saying it's possible for them to do something great. That is a part of who I am as I've gone through my life. I saw myself as the underdog and still do in life and through different circumstances. But as I've gone through adversity and as I've worked through that and as I've discovered who I am in Christ, I've gotten to a place that says anything is possible. I believe that God can use anybody when they trust in him. I believe that all things can work out. There's a sense of identity that has been found in the adversity that I'm facing. And where you are now, where you are facing, the thing that you're going through, right now is a thing that God might be using to show you what you're made of. Maybe it's the thing where God is in this point where he's trying to show you what he can do and nobody else can do. See, where you are, you look at it, you're like, there's no way this thing can get worked out. There's no way any good could come of this situation. There's no way anything positive could ever happen. But when you trust God and you give that situation over to God, and then the day comes, because it will come, when you see God victorious in that situation, you can look at it and say, there was adversity, there was challenges, there was hardships, there was moments when I doubted, but God came through because God always comes through. And you're able through that situation to see that God is a faithful God who is able to do all things and you begin to see who he is and when you begin to understand who he is and what he wants to do through you then all of a sudden you begin to start getting a sense of who you are in verse 18 you can put the next slide up in verse 18 it says this he brought us to life using the true word showing us off as the crown of all his creatures. I love the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation, it puts that last part of the verse this way. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. See, when you discover who you are, you see what you were made to do. When you're in this place of adversity, you begin to see things a little bit differently. You can see, wow, 
when I trust God and when I surrender things to God, look what I'm able to do. Look what I'm able to accomplish. Look what I'm able to come through. Look what I'm able to work out. Look how I'm able to resolve these different things. And you begin to get a little bit of sense of confidence. And then when you truly are doing it for God's glory and you're truly looking at him and you see God accomplishing big things, you say, wow, look at who God is and look at all that he's doing. And all of that begins to come together in your mind. You're like, it doesn't matter what's happening. It doesn't matter what I'm facing. It doesn't matter what's in front of me. God is able to come through and God is there and he cares about me. And then you begin to hear this word, I love you, and you are my prized possession. You begin to understand who you are in this midst of these situations that seem to be difficult and seem to be challenging and seem to be impossible. All of a sudden, you begin to understand who you are, and who you are is God's prized possession. You're his child. He cherishes you above all things. And do you, do you get that? Do you hear that? Like that you are his prized possession? When you begin to see that that's who you are, you're going to begin to see what you were made to do. In verse 19, I'm going to put this verse up. Verse 19, it says, post this. I love this. Post this at all the intersections. Post this at all intersections. At every place where you've got to make a decision. At every place where you're constantly going in and out and it presents itself as a challenge at every time that you're a little bit unsure of what's going to happen or where you have to go or the way things are going to work out post this at all intersections dear friends lead with your ears lead with your ears i love how he puts that to lead with your ears and i've read this verse so many times and i've heard it preached so many times but as I was reading this, there was something that just absolutely jumped out to me. It says, post this at all intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, and let anger straggle along in the rear. Ruben, go to the next slide. God's righteousness doesn't grow from human anger. So throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. I love it. And I'm going to read to you again in the New Living Translation, all right? I want you to listen to this in the New Living Translation. It says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God as planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Verse 22, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you carefully but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. I was like, there's a lot of listening. There's a lot of listening going on in those verses. A lot of if you hear, if you listen. I was like, what is he talking about? What am I supposed to be listening to? Like, what is it that I'm supposed to be listening to? In verse 18, it says this. And we of all creation became his prized possession right 
the whole verse in a whole. It says this, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And from his true word, what? We became his prized possession. In Romans chapter 10, it says that faith comes from hearing and hearing of the word. When you encounter Christ, there is a moment where you hear the gospel spoke that you are far from God because of sin, but because of Jesus dying on the cross, you were able to be made right with God and claim to be his child. There's a moment where you hear the gospel spoke and you receive it to be true. In that moment when you hear God speak to you and say, listen, you are my child, you are my prized possession, it should do something in you and it should begin to shape your understanding of who you are. And here's the thing, as I read these verses and as I looked at this and I began to look at all of my circumstances that I've gone through personally, things I've walked through with people, as you look at life and you look at adversity, you look at challenging circumstances and situations, you look at awesome situations, and all of those things, those are moments and opportunities where God is speaking to us and he's saying, this is who you are, you are my child. This is who you are, you are my prized possession. I don't know about you, but I only put my prized possessions in a place where they're gonna be the best of use or seen in the greatest eye, right? I have, if you walk into my office, I've got a shelf, and on this shelf, I've got all kinds of ridiculous things that I've collected from around the world. I've got these little things that I've collected. I have an odd, super random, weird collection that has taken a morbid turn. But this collection, when I was 16, I found a little sheep in the parking lot at King's Dominion. It was literally this big, it was plastic, and we named them Babe from Charlotte's Web, right? Took that sheep on every roller coaster with us. It was in every picture. And then a couple of us said, how funny would it be if I just started collecting random toys that I find in parking lots around the world? I literally have a collection of 30-some pieces of toys that I found in parking lots around the world. I have a collection of things that people have sent me that they found. At one point, we found a giraffe that had been run over by a lawnmower, and its head was gone, and a leg was gone. So then we said, it, now, it must be a toy that's in a parking lot that has been mauled in some horrible way. So I have all kinds of morbid things that I've collected now. But those things, I have them up. I have them on display because it was a moment for me. It was a moment where I stepped into a relationship with a youth group. And in that youth group, I allowed God to begin to speak to me and show me what it is that he, how he sees me and the things and the lies that had been put into my head that I wasn't good enough and that I wasn't accepted and that I didn't have a place. Those things began to melt away as I was put into relationship with people who love God and who were chasing after God. It was a moment for me. It's a prized possession. So when I have it up and I look at it and I see these stupid little collections and these morbid little things sitting there looking at me without their heads, I don't just sit there and go, that's goofy, though it is. I don't look at it and say, man, this guy's weird, though I am. I look at it and say, you know what? There's people who care about me. There's people who wanted to invest in me. There's people who still cherish the moments that we've had together. And those are people that God has put into my life so that I can see who Hey, I can see myself the way he sees me. So I can begin to see that I am loved, that I'm cherished, that I'm accepted, that he believes in me, that I have a purpose, and that I have a place. When I look at those things, that's what I see. 
And see, God, he's put you in the places you are right now so that you can begin to see yourself the way that God sees you. So you're looking at your stuff right now and you're saying, I just wish this could be over. I wish the circumstance could change. I wish this situation was different. And you call out to God and say, God, would you stop the situation? Would you make it go away? Because we want the situation to stop, but God's wanting to speak through the situation. And you're sitting there in this place and he's wanting to say, you look at it and you say, why is this going on in my life, God? I just want this to happen. I just want it to take place. I wish this would just happen. I wish I would get that promotion. I wish I would get that job. God, I wish this prayer would be answered. I wish this would happen. God, I wish this would stop. I wish this person would leave me alone. I wish this situation would just change. And we're sitting there and we're praying and we're saying, God, we want this to stop. And God is sitting there and he's saying, I want to speak to you right now through what you're going through. What I want to say to you is, is you're my prized possession. I trust you enough to put you there to bring glory to my name. I believe in you enough that you're able to do what it is that needs to be done in this moment. So that not that just you can see who I am, but so that many others can come to see and know who I am. I'm trusting you in this moment. I believe that you're strong enough to handle this situation right now. I believe that you were powerful enough, that you were confident enough to be able to make it through this situation. He's wanting to speak to you and say, listen. You're there right now because I got you and I'm going to take care of you and I want to do something supernatural through you. I want to do something powerful through you. I want you to experience something that nobody's experienced before. I want this world to see me in a way that they have never seen me before through your life. God's speaking to you right now and saying this is who you are. You're my prized possession. You're where I want you to be and I want you to hear what I'm saying to you right now. What I'm saying to you right now is, is that you're mine. I got you. You're mine, and I care about you. You're mine, and I'm going to do something for you. You're mine, and maybe I'm not going to answer your prayer the way you think it should be answered, but I'm telling you, if you trust me, I got you. I don't know how this is going to work out. I just want you to hear you're mine. When you're going through a difficult situation, You're saying, God, just work this thing out. And he talks about when you hear, it's hearing God's word, and then you just look at a mirror and you walk away and you forget who you are. It's when you look at a difficult thing you're going through life, and you just say, there's no way God could do anything with it. You forget who God is, and you forget who you are because of Christ. And you just walk away. You abandon what God is wanting to do through that situation. When you walk into a moment and you're dealing with a difficult person, you're just saying, I wish this person could just be out of my life. I wish they could just be gone because I'm just tired of dealing with it. It's a person who is desperately in need of knowing God's love and grace. And if you can restore that relationship, then God can use that to speak to others who are in broken relationships as well. The other day I was at Goodyear. Oops, I wasn't going to say the name of the company. Anyways, I was at Goodyear. And I went to get my... uh, I had to get an oil change. I was about 5,000 miles over. And so um, I went to get an oil change. Uh, My car was vibrating something fierce. Uh, It was kind of a challenge at this point just to keep my Fitbit on my wrist. It was kind of a fun way to entertain myself on the way to work. But um, so I was like, I need to get this fixed. And so I took it over there. I was like, I need an oil change. I need to get a wheel alignment. And I need to get my tires rotated and balanced and probably um, a bunch of other things. And so I, I dropped it off, and I called, and I said, hey, can I, can I get there, or, you know, can I make an appointment? They're like, don't make an appointment. Just get here at 7 o'clock. And if you get here at 7 o'clock, then we'll take care of you, and everything will be done. And I was like, 
can I please make an appointment? And they're like, no, you can't make an appointment. We're so full, but I'm just telling you, if you get here at 7, everything will be good. And I'm like, can I give you my name? Like, would that be possible? Like, can you write down, hey, had a conversation with Jamie? And he's like, no, I promise, everything's good. We've got to have it taken care of. And I was like, okay. So I get there at 6.58. I walk in. I hand him my keys. I walk over to Chick-fil-A. It was an awesome opportunity to eat a Chick-fil-A biscuit for breakfast. Come on. Chicken for breakfast. Yes, there is a God. So I went over there, and I went to Chick-fil-A, and I got a biscuit, and I was kind of doing some stuff and working and, and uh, doing emails, and then I decided, you know what, I'm just going to go for a walk because it was actually a super nice day that day, and so I just kind of went for a walk and was just walking around, and then I went into Target, started looking at shirts and stuff like that because I'm a guy that likes shopping. It's okay. And so, like, I walked around, and I was, like, shopping and, and just looking at that, and so then I went on, and, and I went into TJ Maxx because I like shopping, and so, like, I was doing So then I looked at my watch, and it was 930, and I was like, man, they've had my car for, you know, two and a half hours. So I walk over there, and um, I wait in line, and I start talking to him. I'm like, hey, like, how close is my car to being done? He's like, it's almost done. I pray, like, it's almost done. It was 9, like 50, 9.45 at this point. So they had my car for over three hours. Math doesn't add up, but that's the way I felt, right? So it's like, they had my car for, like, you know, like two and a half hours, two hours, 45 minutes. And I had a meeting actually here. And so I was just like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I was like, I'm going to walk. So I walked down Monticello. I walked down Monticello, and as I was walking down Monticello, I was sitting there judging every person that drove by me, and I know some of you did, and so I was like, who's driving by me right now without offering to care or help for me? I was like, who is it? And then that day, I got a text from a guy who says he's one of my best friends. Was that you walking on the road? I didn't realize it until about two hours later. I was a jerk, writing you off right now. But so I was sitting there, and I walked, and I got here, and I had my meeting, and then we were well into the meeting, and about an you know, hour and a half into the meeting, they, I get a phone call, and I can't answer it. I, you know, I was like, hey, I got a meeting. And so, um, so you know, I get done with the meeting, and, and as I'm walking back, I get on the phone, and I'm like, hey. And they're just like, hey, when you get here, there's some things that need to be addressed. And I was like, yeah, I know. And so there's like, some things that need to be addressed, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll talk about it when you get here. And so I was like, okay. So I go there, and I get up to the counter, and they're just like, hey, so you need two new tires, you need this, this, and they go through the list, and I was like, all right, well, let's get it taken care of. They're like, no, you don't understand. We can't do it today, and I was like, <sighs> you know that moment, right? We're just like, a promise was made. <laughs> he wouldn't even take my name, you know, and so I was just like, I was like, oh, I was like, really? They're like, you didn't answer the phone call, and I was like, mm. didn't say what I wanted to say, right? So I just kept it in. They're like, you didn't answer the phone call, so we couldn't get it done. And so they had my car for over five and a half hours, and all they got was an oil change done on my car, right? And so I was like, well, when can I get there? Like, oh, we can bring it in next, you know, three days, whatever. And then I started getting frustrated, and then I said a couple things I probably shouldn't have said, and, and I'm working through that, and maybe I'll go talk to them, and they probably didn't even remember. But anyway, so, so you know, I said some things, and so, like, I just kind of let it go, and it was just keep on. So long story, I'm rambling, but I get to this point last night. One of the things about me is, is I... Like, for the longest time, I, and part of it is just my work experiences and just all of that stuff, but I care a lot about customer service. Like, I really care about customer service. I, there are stores that I refuse to go back to because I think their customer service is so horrible. 
Um, like, I've literally talked about and come up with ideas of starting a company so that I can go around the country and train people how to do customer service appropriately, right? Like, it's just one of those things. It's like, I was like, I know I could start a company and be very successful at this somehow. If I can train people how to care for their customers that are paying them, you know? So, like, this is what's going through my head. And so, you know, I, like, all this different stuff. And so last night I'm sitting there and I'm praying for tonight and I'm just walking around. And then all of a sudden, God just kind of hit me in that moment. And he's just like, and you care so much about that, but you refuse to care about people in those situations. And then all of a sudden, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I don't care about customer service because I think that things should be done a certain way and there's a better way to do them, though that is all true. I care about customer service because there's a deep conviction within me because of what God did in my life through Christ, that people matter. That when somebody's standing in front of you, you should give your best for them and you should give them your undivided attention because people matter. And people matter because God sent his son to die for them. See, I was getting all twisted around. I'm cared about my concerns being taken care of. You know why? She was a little bit embittered with me. And you know why their situation was kind of crummy? It's because they deal with cruddy people all day long. And she's had things said to her that she probably wishes have never been said to her. And beyond that, beyond the layer of what I could even just imagine, who knows what's going on in her life? Who knows what her home looks like? Who knows what her experiences are? God didn't have me in that moment so that I could get my car taken care of. God had me in that moment so that I could extend grace to her and communicate hope to her and bring hope to her in that situation. And I missed it. And I missed it. But it was a moment for me that I began to realize and see, man, the things that I've been through and the experiences that I've had, both good and negative, it's caused me to have a deep conviction to believe that people matter. And that's got to move past this place of accepting it at church, but i got to move it into my world where it's happening at the Goodyear counter, where I can stop and I can say, you matter. And this is a moment that God's created. I'm frustrated as I'll get out. I'm supposed to be driving to Virginia Beach, and now I'm driving my wife in a car that's going to rattle us to death on the way there if we even make it. And so I'm sitting there, and I've got all those things through my head, but that's the moment for me just to say, shut up up. It's not about you. It's about them right now. What is it that God wants me to do in this moment? It's a moment where he's invited me and given me the opportunity to bring hope into the world. The challenge you're facing, the things that you're going through, the difficult situations that you're handling, the things that you just wish would stop, they're the things that God wants to work through. They're the things that he wants to reveal who you are. They're the things that he's speaking into your life so that he can say, you're mine, I got you, you're strong enough for this. And if you're not strong enough, I'm strong enough and I got you. I'm gonna take care of you. We're gonna do something awesome together. We're gonna do something powerful together. And so that is what God is wanting to do. And real quick, and then I'm gonna shut up. Because it said to listen a lot and I'm doing a lot of talking. I really want to invite the band up, but I know I'm going to talk for a few more minutes, and they love it when they stand up there for 10 minutes. Cam, can you go ahead and come up? <laughs> yeah, I was being serious. All right. <laughs> you must all be quick to listen. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. 
and slow to get angry. You know, does it stand out to you? I spend a lot of time looking at it. It doesn't say, don't get angry. It says, and slow to anger. What I think this is saying to us is, is that there are unique things happening in your life that oftentimes it's easier for us to ignore than if it is for us to surrender to. They could be very painful things. They could be heartbreaking things. They can be good things. They can be annoying things. But they're things that if we'd stop and just listen, we would hear God speaking to us and saying, hey, listen, I care about you. You're my prized possession. I care about where you are in this world, and I care about what you're doing. I need you. I need you right now in relationship with this person. I need you right now to go through this heartbreak that you're going through. Because in going through this heartbreak, you're going to be able to have compassion for other people that are going through this situation. I, I, I need you right now to lose this thing and walk away from what you think is a dream. I need you to surrender that to me and accept something else because there's something I need done right now for my purposes and for how I will that nobody else can do. I need you to do it. You're my prized possession. I know you can do it. I know who you are. I made you. I see who you are. I know what you can do. And I need you here. And we need to listen. And we need to hear. We need to start talking about it with people. We start needing to get engaged in conversation. After you've listened, you've soaked in it. You're convinced that this is something God wants to do. You begin to talk to others. And as you begin to do that, you're all of a sudden you're going to begin to see something. You're going to begin to see that there's this righteous anger that's stirring in you. You're like, I can't do anything else other than this. There's something you've gone through right now and it's bothering you because you see other people going through the same thing and you feel like no one is there to solve the problem. Listen. Listen, your heart's being stirred because he wants you to care to a level that nobody else is able to because it's you he created to care. It's you he created to bring hope. It's you he created to speak life into that moment. You'll find yourself getting to this place where there's this commitment, there's this reality, there's this sense where you say, I'm going through all this stuff and I'm going to trust you. And as you trust him, he begins to show you who you are. You begin to become bolder and bolder in the idea that you are his, that you're his child. 
And when something difficult comes up and when something hard comes up in front of you, you don't look at it and say, I can't handle that. There's no way God can come through on that. You look at it and you say, God is good enough, God is strong enough, and God is faithful, and he's trusted me to walk through this, and he's gonna keep me, and he's gonna care for me, and he's gonna provide for me, and God has already won the victory through Christ, so I'm gonna see victory. And when you do that, guess what? You're stepping deeper into who God has made you to be, and your eyes are being opened, and you say, that's who I am. That's what he's made me to do. That's what I'm supposed to do, and that's who he is, and this is what he can do. And you begin to get excited, and you begin to be passionate. You can't stop talking about what it is that God wants you to do, and you're convicted. You're not just convicted that you're not doing, but you're convicted to do what it is that's in front of you because you can't do anything else. And that's where God wants the church. There is so much more that we could do. There's so much more that we could do as City Life Williamsburg in this community. We've got to allow ourselves to push through the hard things, the difficult situations, the hard conversations, the the moments that we just don't want to endure. We've got to allow ourselves to go through those moments so we can see who it is that we are in Christ and what we're made of and what he's able to do and, and, and all of his goodness. And we're able to come on the other side and say, this is what he's called me to do. This is the solve. This is the problem he's called me to solve. This is the thing that he wants me to notice because nobody else has known because he's called me to do it. There's so much more we could do. There's so much more we could do. What you're going through right now is God's opportunity for you to do what only you can do. I'm just telling you, when the church is full of people that care, when the church is full of people that are committed, When the church is full of people that says, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm his prized possession. I'm loved above all creatures. I'm cherished. I'm cared for. And I'm going to trust him to do what only he can do in my life. I'm telling you, when you do that, the church becomes the most creative, innovative, powerful place on the planet. The things that we want solved, the solutions are sitting right here. The problems that we see, the things that we're dealing with, the way we wish we could be treated, we are the solution. We are the opportunity to extend hope to this world. Don't reject the process. Don't reject the process. Listen, because he's speaking right now where you are. We stand and worship with us.
Bye.